0: This is Working the Beat. It is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kern will join us in a second as we talk to you about everything going on. And a lot is going on. Let's uh, start with the obvious. Um, We are not a chap's beef as uh, we had told everybody we would be. Obviously Hurricane Ida uh threw a wrench into those plans. Uh we announced it on um on Tuesday night so everybody would have time and if you were coming out we announced it on social media. I know Paul's uh Hagen's restaurant uh tweeted out as well. Uh so we hoped um we hope obviously the weather will be nicer next Wednesday as we uh Look outside now, and it is a mess. I mean, it is like windy and messy and yuck out there right now. We didn't want anybody to get hurt. We didn't want any change or anything to happen to anybody, so that's why we changed it. Tentative plan, and again, tentative. Obviously, if there's another major storm, um, I know I'm scheduled for jury duty next week, Uh, is for us to be at Chaps at at 6 p.m., next wednesday night 6 p.m next wednesday night hope to see you there uh and we'll have a good time plenty of pit beef a lot of great restaurants if you get down there over the weekend even better uh and support a local business and you'll have a damn good time doing it so that is the explanation on that on this show we're gonna talk obviously it's the by the in-between week between the eagles preseason ending and the regular season beginning so there's not a lot to really talk about on the eagles we'll get into a full eagle show next week uh and we'll have our two nfl shows next week um but so the biggest story in philadelphia today is the ben simmons trade demand and the joellen b twitter rant which basically said that philadelphia fans ought to uh be better for lack of a better term um to which I go, uh, not a good idea. Don't mess with the fans. I think the Mets should have told them that, but of course, this being this age, um, you know, we, we athletes tend to go in different ways. So John Johnson from ninety four WIP, who covered the Sixers for a long time, has actually been filling in on the morning show for Angelo Cataldi these past couple weeks while Angelo is on a well earned vacation. Will join us. We'll talk the entire simmons and Embiid fiasco we may throw a phillies question in there and then the latest portion of the show we'll get into some phillies and then uh, i want to throw at michael jack uh some college football week one of college football is this week so we are going to have a few college football picks coming so that is our show again next wednesday night keep an eye on social media just in case but next wednesday night we should be a go for chaps Pip beef but when we come back John Johnson will join us to discuss the mess that is the Philadelphia 76ers work going to be continues right after this <laughs>
1: What are we living for?
0: Well, one thing you can always say about the 76ers is it's never dull. Never dull. And uh, obviously, the biggest news in the last 48 hours in Philadelphia, even more than the Eagles' cuts, which is amazing, is the uh, trade demand that was reported by our buddy Keith Pompey, who broke his vacation to break it. Um, that uh, Ben Simmons and Rich Paul laid out to the Sixers in a meeting last week, uh, apparently saying that Ben Simmons wants to go anywhere but here, uh, and especially to Cal- the California teams. And then today, Joel Embiid decides to look at the fire and throw just a, a gallon of kerosene on top of it uh, with his fans-need-to-be-better tweets and denying reports of the rift between him and... And Ben Simmons And joining us now Somebody who has been An active figure Through the whole process years Within the Sixer locker room And uh, has been filling in uh, For Angelo Cataldi On 94WIP this week And last week And will be there You know Whenever the schedule dictates John Johnson is there And he is with us now John, how are you?
1: Gentlemen Sixers are always drama Always a soap opera Aren't they? (laughs)
2: He, why are we John? Why are we bothering you if you're sleep deprived? Oh, that's like, all right because okay. I love you guys. That's why.
0: It's also let's also be honest. We're recording this at four o'clock in the afternoon, so I he think John be was
2: sleep deprived. He was up at like two in the morning. I mean, you know. So listen this this is good stuff this is in
1: the you know we're not trying to squeeze something out of something that's dry this is juicy stuff it's good to talk
0: about juicy it is oh it is juicy stuff that is one thing all right so and we'll get to the Phillies in a in a couple minutes there's nothing really with the Eagles i I think is breaking at this point so let's get to the Phillies at or i'm sorry to the sixers at this point um let, uh, the obvious question you're not surprised. By Ben Simmons, the the man for a trade at this point, are you, John?
1: No, no. We, we um, it was when we saw how the season ended uh, in Game Seven against Atlanta, and the words said by Embiid and by Doc Rivers, it seemed very clear that they, you know, they had done everything they could, and it was time to make a change. Uh, and then it was not all that long after we found out that Daryl Morey and Rich Paul had met to discuss. Um, you know the idea of trading Ben and trying to do it together as a team, and just to figure out the best possible trade for both. And here we are, fast forward in time. I guess it's been two months or a little bit more than that. You know, they, according to Pompey's report, it was what Joshua Harris, um, Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, and Doc Rivers who flew out to L.A. to meet with Ben Simmons because I guess they couldn't find the value that they wanted in return to convince him to come back for training camp, and he wanted no part of it. There's just uh, there kev uh, there are so many levels to this it is uh it's wild stuff
0: well, which leads to the question you know is this Ben Simmons being sensitive and you know obviously you know I thought that Doc Rivers babied him all year for lack of a better term you know he he covered up everything and because of one David Murphy question, he's going to suddenly take his ball and go home? Is is this the as simplest as, is that is in the in the Joel Joel and B comment after game seven? I mean that's very it.
1: Very well, it, Kev, it could be as simple as that. Remember, I mean the one thing we know about Ben, he's always been baby. He's always been pampered from an incredibly young age when his family realized he had that physical capability, that talent. So going through high school, the one year in college when he was drafted, the Sixers coddled him for years, whether it was Brett Brown or Ownership or a general manager, they babied him. They always protected him. And even during this season with Doc Rivers, in a season with expectations, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the very quotable Doc Rivers of he's a treasure, treasure and treasure the things he does well. And he would do it over and over and over again, even though he would have shortcomings in a game that would cost the team. And, it, you know, you reach your breaking point. Ben Simmons is a very stubborn individual, he's a very self centered individual. Um, and uh, i believe uh, as you're pointing out you know that game seven which was the most embarrassing moment of his career to not have his head coach and his teammate come to his corner that was a breaking point for him
2: mike well look i, I said and i'm not the only one that said this about a month ago that this was a possibility that he was going to yeah i said what happens if he decides not to commit you're Ben Simmons. Now, I think Ben is, is it, everything that John just said about him. It, it, they're, they're all absolutely accurate. He doesn't get it. Nobody in Philadelphia. Well, we'll this goes to the, to the Joe part. Nobody in Philadelphia was not cheering for Ben Simmons during that Atlanta series. Nobody was booing him. It was after they lost that people were like, "Ugh," you know. But you're Ben Simmons. They wanted to trade you in November. Okay. Then after the season, they wanted to trade you. Why would Ben want to come back here? I mean, you're Ben Simmons. So you're going to now sit there and say, okay, Sixers, fans, whatever. Yeah, they didn't want me in November. They didn't want me after the Hawks series, even though I held, uh, what's his name, Trey Young to a decent game, and I had 11 assists or whatever. Would you expected him to come back? No, but I I would expect – but you see – you know, he what said, well, that? no,
0: Mike, he, he said, Mike, he said all the right things after that. I take responsibility. I know I have to be better and all that. And then what he, but to be honest, he gets all, he gets all sore at the organization saying, yeah, you got to be better. And this is a guy who is now floating it out. Rich Paul and, and John, you can talk about this. Rich Paul and his minions in the media. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention one today, Chris Broussard and Kendrick Perkins and all this, saying that the Sixers had a half-ass commitment um to a to to developing Simmons and not using him properly. And to be honest, that's a bunch of horse crap. The only one who's been half-assed in all this has been Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And his his attitude towards everything
2: is the half-assed portion of this. But he doesn't think Kevin he yeah. doesn't think that he's done anything. So wrong. why does he think that anybody is going to be appealed when their eyes tell him what is going on here? Because he's a two-time defensive oh, player. Means- uh, now I'm just saying, you're asking me to explain it. I'm telling you, he's a three time all-star in four years of playing. Somebody will take him on and and maybe get better. I don't think they'll I think they'll get what they're gonna get. The, pr- the only problem in this equation is what the Sixers want in return. John. The problem of trading him is not a problem. There's probably six, eight teams right now that would will be willing to take him on, but they ain't giving you Damian Lillard. Right. That's yeah. the problem.
0: The,
1: you know? No, I mean, the, the whole Rich Paul and, and the stuff he's giving to certain people in the media, that's just absurd. You don't To give the whole we didn't commit to, you don't give someone $173 million you're not committing to. You don't, you know, when Ben Simmons says I'm the point guard, I want to be point guard. You don't bend to his will if you don't plan on making him a, a vital, you know, part of your future. They gave him everything. He's yes, been treated he like he's been treated like a spoiled brat, and he's yeah. not getting. You know, at a certain point, he wasn't getting his way. Things weren't working out, and he's lashing out at somebody. He's using the Sixers. Yeah. But to Mike's point, though, you know, and I've been arguing with some of my colleagues at WIP about this. Darryl Morey plays some responsibility in this. I know he inherited this. But it has been very clear for some time, and someone with his resume should be aware of the situation when he goes into it. That there was a good chance that Ben Simmons wasn't going to be part of the future here. That we mm-hmm. we were it was well documented what he was unwilling to do and how stubborn he could be. And we know going to the trade deadline this past season about how close they came to acquiring James Harden. We don't know the full story whether it was. They just didn't want to go over the top with an offer, or Houston just didn't want to send him back to Daryl Morey. But this is something that Daryl Morey was well aware of. And he said, it's fine to set the bar sky high at the beginning, but at a certain point, it is part of your job to be well aware that, all right, I'm asking for way too much. We're getting way too close to the next season. I know this is going to become a problem. Now I need to start wheeling and dealing and pin a couple teams against each other and get whatever the best offer is. All right, And he clearly is unwilling to do that. So that but they, is, don't
2: want to look, they don't want to look stupid because it's a number one pick. Well, it's too late for that. that. Well, no, but I'm, but I'm just looking at it from Dar- – Darrell's only been here for two minutes. Right. Okay? So I'm saying here's the number one pick in the entire draft who has accomplished things. It's not like he's false. Okay? I mean, he, this, he has accomplished things. Despite the fact that he won't shoot and what and the, whatever, so the Sixers, like Johnson, you have to set the bar high. They know they're going to look bad, whatever happens in this, because they ain't getting Damian Lillard, I don't think. So anything short of that is going to look like the Sixers didn't get what they could, even though they're probably going to get as much as they can. And they don't, and they think that they're going to look. They they were the number one seed in the Eastern playoffs, and now they're like irrelevant. Everybody says, ah, they're going to finish fifth next year, whatever Go They are embarrassed right now. This whole thing went south on them, you know, in the span of a of a not taking a dunk. Be, before
0: we get to the Embiid situation, all right, and I agree with you. Maury overplayed his hand, John, and, and you're right. I mean, the problem's deeper than Daryl Maury. This is a much deeper problem, you know, that's been developing for a long, long period of time, going back to Brett Brown and yeah. company babying them. But that being said, the situation that they have right now is CJ McCollum the best guy they can get at this point for Ben Simmons, um, and would you hold on to Ben Simmons until somebody pays a price for him? See, would this Portland is a, give you
2: CJ McCollum?
1: Right. Well, th- this is the double edged sword now, right? I mean, that, I guarantee there are multiple teams that are in contact with the Sixers right now with Daryl Morey. But they're giving you nothing for him, they're, and they're aware of it. They're, they're offering you far less than they probably would have a month ago. So this is the worst situation because you could call his bluff and say, oh, you're not going to report to camp? Well, I dare you not to report because we're going to fine you. We'll suspend you, you know, and we'll you know recoup some of that money we'd be paying you, and you're only hurting yourself. And I don't think he'll hold out because he cares more about money than anything else in the world. Having said that,
0: he's got a mortgage you, payment now.
1: Right, but having said that, if you allow him to do, if you allow him to do this, it becomes a massive distraction. Every single day when there's availability, every player, including mm-hmm. a B, gets asked, have you talked to Ben? What's the latest with Ben? What are you guys doing? What are you guys gonna do in the meantime? Might he come back? What if he comes back? How's it gonna be like? If you move on, what are you guys gonna do? And this is a question almost every single day. It it becomes a, a circus more than anything. And each and every season, Right now, with Joel Embiid, is the most important season because this is his window. So you have to be able to make the most out of it. So if I were Daryl Morey, I, I mean, if there is a team offering you a first-round pick and an expiring contract, you may end up having to just bite your tongue, make it happen, and being able and trying to turn that with your own picks to acquire something else. I mean, this is
2: Carson. This is Carson Wentz all over again. Five months later, it's exactly. The same exact – an athlete who was pampered, who got all the money, and said, no, nah, I'm bailing because I don't yep. like Philadelphia. And, and it's the same exact thing. And the same exact thing that happened with the Eagles is going to happen with the Sixers. Would, would, like John said, you get the best you can get, but we may be disappointed in what that turns out to be. Would you
0: send him the NBA Siberia, either Minnesota or Toronto at this point, John? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, are, he wants if, California. If, I'll tell you what. The three names, unless they're, like, paying a premium price, I would take off the list right now, are Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. I'm not giving him what he wants. Well, it depends what they're giving you, Kevin. Right. I mean, if God forbid... No, there's a premium
2: teams. price. There's right. a premium then, price on them. Right. So, I got to hear what the offer is first before I would say no. But I'm not bending was, to his well, wishes. There was just the bend to his wishes.
1: Well, there was a long-standing report that Golden State certainly wanted him and it would have been like a first round pick maybe a condition another conditional first and andrew wiggins to kind of make the money work with the nba being different than the other leagues you got to compensate the money so i mean that i mean that's i imagine it's still a possibility but as you mentioned minnesota i don't care if they are offering what appears to be the best offer and you don't want to have to go through this and just you know eat whatever you're going to have to eat then you that's what you're going to have to do
2: john john in your heart of hearts First of all, I'm assuming that Ben's never going to play for the Sixers again. This isn't going to get resolved, and he'll be back. What do you think they're going to get? And I don't mean necessarily, maybe with names, but what what do you what what do you think they can legitimately get back? Because I don't really want draft picks, but mm-hmm. I understand that may come to that. But what do you think they're going to get? Uh,
1: they well, obviously, with the NBA, you have to make the money work. So right. you ha- I think he has 142 million dollars left on his deal. So you're going to have to find a way to make that work. So you're that's, going to get a player or players. You're not going to get what you're hoping for, honestly. You'll get some guys that are okay. That's you know, why the McCollum.
0: Think, that's why the McCollum deal did match up, correct? Right, right.
1: But I, but I think for Daryl Morey, what matters to him the most uh, is getting as many draft picks because in order Parker. to get a player of maybe Lillard's caliber, I mean, we all hope it might be him. He's had his eyes set off for Damian Lillard for quite some time, or someone who's a tier down, it's going to require multiple draft fixes. It's it, it would be a team that's ready to start over again, and suddenly that becomes the most enticing thing, not the player that's just going to stick around for no reason.
2: John, would John, you take McCollum? I mean, if if God forbid you could do a McCollum for Ben, and, and I guess there would have to be other things. I, I don't know what the other things would be.
0: Uh, well, cap-wise, no. They're, they're pretty close in salary, at least for this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, does that make sense? A one for one? I mean, I don't, would Portland want that.
1: I I don't think the Sixers would want that. That's the thing. If okay. it's just a one for one, there's no way Daryl Morey would do that. Okay. I okay. I mean, I McCollum's a good player, but I, he's not. You know, he's not doing anything for me in terms of right. a of right. upgrading the team.
0: Okay. Um. Before again, before I get to the Embiid thing, on the all time scale of Philadelphia villains, John. Mm-hmm. Where does Ben Simmons fit? Oh, man. <sighs> we, were, we, remember, you know, we remember when Lindros came back here as a Ranger, and that yeah. was pretty fired up. When Donovan came back here and all that. But there was eventually a softening of feelings. Well, there's, there's not going huge... to be a softening of feelings towards Ben
1: Simmons. No, there, there's a huge difference here, though. I mean, Lindros had a great run with the Flyers before everything kind of fell apart with his parents and Bobby Clark. You know, he won it. He won the, uh, the. He won an award here. He took him to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um McNabb had, had a great Nullfish. run with he had the
2: Nullfish team. Issues too. Yeah, right. You know, I mean,
1: more, both yeah. McNabb and Lindros had really good runs before everything, you know, yeah. ran its course. You know, Ben Simmons. What happened with Ben Simmons and what happened with Carson Wentz? They are you know, they are in front of the race here of probably yeah. the two most hated athletes that will ever play D- in this town. Because a- I mean, And J.D. Yeah. Drew
0: would be in that mix, too, for what happened when he got drafted here and refused to play. Sure,
1: but, I mean, it was such a brief period in time for what mm-hmm. happened with Ben Simmons for a franchise to stink for years, to draft a player like that, for it to end this way, um, and in the manner in which he's doing it, too, it, which is very similar to Car- It's actually more extreme than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz would just pretend like nothing's wrong, where, Ben Simmons is, you know, posting on his Instagram, look at me and my new car and my new house, and I'm so great. Look at these workout videos that I'm putting up. And when you go through that year after year after year, and then his lasting quote to the Philadelphia fan base after game seven is, I am who I am. It is what it is. You don't forget that stuff.
2: Yeah, I'll give you another one. Jason Worth. Hmm. There was a lot of bad feelings when he left, and I remember – he wasn't as good of a player, maybe, but he was important to those championship teams. But he got booed unmercifully yeah. when he came, you know, for taking $130 million. Scott Rowland. Scott yeah, Rowland I mean, was another Scott one. Roland, yeah, Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Scott Rowland was certainly a villain. I mean, Jason Worth took the money. He It took a long time, but he made amends, you know, when his career came to an end. But mm-hmm. Ben is just, Ben's someone who never got it. He's in his own world. He doesn't care. Yeah. It, it, it was difficult to, it's very difficult to like him to begin with.
2: Uh, John, do uh, I, would you see a scenario if he went to, I'm just throwing this out. Okay. If he went to the Lakers and somebody like LeBron was there with him, do you think LeBron, somebody like LeBron, could maybe get him to get it a little, or is it just a hopeless cause? Well,
0: uh, Rich Paul, they share an agent with Rich Paul, we should point out. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yes,
1: I mean, that's I think it's a hopeless cause. I mean, but I guarantee right now there are there's coaches and GMs right now who are, you know, who are talking to the Sixers and in their mindset is, oh, I can do with him what the Sixers can. I can get him to turn it around, and it's up to Daryl Morey to play that to his advantage.
0: John Johnson joining us. All right. So what's Embiid thinking this morning? I mean, Uh. one. The relationship between Embiid and Simmons, I know it's tough the last couple of years because of the COVID protocols and not being able to, to get into locker rooms per se. But but that, that that relationship's always been interesting. Uh they're two different personalities. Um both are flashy, but both in different ways. Um I, then to have Embiid come out today. And maybe provide cover for Simmons was was a pretty good heel turn in a hurry, uh, yeah. to use the wrestling analogy.
1: Yeah, it, uh, I, when it first came out, I paused. And I'm like, did the Sixers, did Daryl Morey speak to Joel and ask him to put something out there in defense of the team? Because it didn't seem like Joel. A lot of the stuff that he put out there didn't seem like him. And I, I, I'm still debating that at this point. Because some of the wording of his tweets are just really is really strange. The whole "Hey, I remember back in 2020 when you booed me," and you know, and he and Joel flipped the, the crowd. To, you know, told him to shut the bleep up. I remember that game very well. You know, when he was getting booed for you know not playing the way that he should, and that's—it's never a good idea to challenge the fan base. But when he followed it up with a at the very end that like you know in the end I like criticism like it helps me get better I'm, I'm I can't quote it verbatim but he ended it with some guys aren't good at handling it I'm like ah that's what this is about in the end it's all about you know this is what happened with Ben he can't handle this so I, I I I'm still it's still tough for me to decide if that's truly Joel putting that out there or the team saying hey you know help us out a little bit here we're being put in a bad light you know this is you know, he's. If you want to speak about your teammate, that's up to you. I just, I it, it. Joel well, has the city in the palm of his hands, and putting out what he did today, um, will make many fans pause and say, "Do I really? You know, maybe I shouldn't be as a, a big a zealot of him as I I have as I have been."
0: Do you think there John, was a rift? Hold on, Mike. One more question on this. Yeah. Do you think there was a rift between Simmons and Embiid?
1: I don't think – it wasn't a rift. They're just two different people. I mean, Joe, Ben is Hollywood. He likes to party. He likes to go on the scene. Joel is someone who, you know, trolls on the Internet, has fun, and then he goes home to his family. He never leaves the house. He plays video games. They're completely opposite personalities. So outside of arriving to the arenas together or traveling as a team for road games, which, by the way, Ben didn't always travel with the team. He liked to travel with his own party, and it was allowed <laughs> by the team. Outside of when they played together, they did nothing together. So I mean, that's that's probably where that that whole thought I, I cannot came
0: from. I cannot wait for the undertold the undertold the untold stories um, uh-huh. to come out here because there's going to be a ton that come out. Correct.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no no no. There are you know there are many things that I learned uh, over the years about the two of them that are I mean there's... You know, some stuff is just typical. Both of you guys know, having spent many years going in and out of locker rooms. But some just tells the story of of very pampered individuals where, you know, they were given the world.
0: Mike?
2: Yeah. I know, I just wish, I was just going to make the comment. I wish the people listening to this could see John's face as he's talking about us. Because he just has a look on his face like, I can't believe I'm really, like, that, that this is really happening and I'm discussing it. And it's like, why? Hell, what? It's, it's, it's a real
1: life soap opera.
2: I know it's and and like and it's said, ma- it's managed to knock for- the Eagles out of the the headlines, yeah. which is amazing but, at September first. But but we've gone through this twice in six months with two franchise players. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this isn't like you know the, the fifth string guard left. I mean, it, it's amazing. Uh, to me, and of course, the fans will get the bad rap. But this—that's what happens. But this is different,
0: I think, than the Wentz situation because I think people had tired of Wentz because of the injury fatigue factor that they—they they never believed he would stay healthy enough to win something.
2: They, yeah, but I don't think they wanted him traded necessarily, Kevin, because they were like, "Really, we're going to use Jalen Hurts? This is it." And I don't think the Eagles really wanted to trade Wentz until Wentz went to them right. and said, "I don't want to play here anymore." He didn't want with to play ben for Howie, right? The Sixers, the Sixers were obviously ready to trade him back in November for for a great player, but I'm just saying they they played the first card. We will mm. trade you if the price is right. The, the Eagles never went there with Wentz. They just drafted Jalen
0: Hurts. I do agree with one thing Embiid said, and, and this is not a this is not a dig at Philadelphia fans, but I think it's more of a uh, a realization. I think that the city may have to come to here the modern athlete is not going to take the criticism that the one 10 15 20 years ago did because they get in different forms they get it on social media they get it uh, uh people are a little more brash and a little more outspoken and i do think that in that sense maybe the atmosphere of the town does have to change a little bit that that it that the personal barbs may have to get toned down a notch or two what do you think john
1: well, the problem is the modern day athlete It's here. You're the absolutely modern, right. With and you. the modern day
0: athlete is spoiled beyond belief. And I know I no, no,
1: it, it is. But the modern day athlete has to deal with something that the former never had to. And thankfully that they didn't have to social media, mm-hmm. social media changed everything. And now, you know, with the modern day athlete, they can use that as a tool to market themselves and make even more money and, and put themselves on an even larger pedestal. But the problem with that also is that they social media, although is a great tool to use, it is a haven for the most miserable, disgusting human beings on Earth. <laughs> and, and the problem is a lot of these athletes like Joel, mm-hmm. who go on there, I can tell you for a fact, almost every single day, they search their name and they see these morons tweeting the most vile, disgusting things about them. And they represent, you know, less than 1% of the fan base, and they, and they take that as a representation for the entire fan base. Mm. And it, it's something that should be taught to them by organizations, by leagues in the early goings.
2: Or you get the New York Mets owner going and <laughs> tweeting stuff, which, you know, it's, nah. it doesn't even have to be a wacky fan. <laughs> yeah, You're right. And, and
1: with the Sixers, Daryl Morey, who up until the last week or so, has always on social media putting out stupid things, and that's something I, I I do not want to see my president of my organization doing.
0: You know, Hinky may have been ahead of his time in not saying anything, so and, and not saying anything. I mean, Hank mm-hmm. Hinky's comments were very, pardon the pun, processed, thought out. He was a smart guy. He did talk to reporters on background a lot, but the public consumption part, he was very limited. And I think that that's something I think you're, if you look at it now, that may be something that every organization wants out of their GM moving forward. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good point.
0: Let me, uh, let me get to the Phillies real quick. Um, yeah, they're they've played their way back in this, uh, thanks in part to the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, they're not playing when Phillies are not playing Wednesday night because of Ada, but uh, they'll play tomorrow in Washington. Is this a legitimate contender, or is this a team that is this going to even out again? And and or are we looking at those final three games in Atlanta in, in in that last week of the season is probably where it's all going to get boiled down to.
1: Well, I mean, it certainly seems like it's going to come down to that, doesn't it? I mean, Atlanta was done a huge blow uh, in their last game, losing Ozzie Albies for. I guess we'll see how many games taking that foul ball off the kneecap. I mean, yeah. he's so vital to them. Not to mention they're in a tough string of games to begin with, but. I mean, I, I, I don't know where this road leads with the Phillies. I mean, it's, it's, they've been you know, drowning, and then they pull themselves out of the water. Then they start drowning again, and, and that's the same thing with the fan base. I don't know how many times i said, I'm done, that's it, I can't do it anymore. Joe Girardi's not even a decent manager. He's a bad manager. These guys under, underperform. And then they go on a run. And here we are right now, two and a half games out of the division uh, lead and out of the wild card, and they, their most recent game they won I mean, the lineup was made up of Matt Verlin, Bonifacio, Miller, uh, Marchand, and they all came up big in clutch situations. I mean, it's 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 so wild and hard to, to hard to explain, but I, I I will say this: I do believe it will come down to the final week of the season and that series against the Braves, playing the utmost importance, and a playoff appearance, a postseason appearance, whether it be the wild card or uh, winning the division can do no harm. It can only do good. There is, it is a, as you know, Kev, you know this better than any of us. There is always something to be said for a group of players who have never, ne- never done this together to appear in the postseason. It's a completely different animal. The atmosphere is different. The mm-hmm. energy is different. You know, it, it changes your mindset entirely. And even if they get just obliterated, if they make a postseason appearance, it only does good for the following season.
0: Well, and it, it also, in, in a way, um, it eliminates the biggest question, which is you haven't made the playoffs in nine, now possibly ten years. I mean, the biggest thing that's hung over their heads has been that question. Now, does one game in theory change it? No, but it does. And it indicates some progress, which they haven't done. My concern with them, one, Zach Wheeler's coming back to earth. I mean, he is. He's looking like the National League's leader in innings pitched. And the fatigue, you know, he was given a pretty good lead the other night and he labored. He labored through his appearance. And that's not, ever since that game against the Mets on that Sunday afternoon, he has not looked right. And that concerns me. But, yeah, how many more injuries can they take? I mean, you know, you've lost Hoskins for the year. Real Muto's been out the last couple nights. Um, you know, the back end, you know, one now done. Um, I just wonder if they're going to get to the end here with anything resembling a pitching staff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry.
2: No, I'm sorry. Yeah. All anybody had to do, and this is what I don't understand. I said this a week ago with the thing that Dick and I do on Saturday mornings from Parks, that all you have to do is look at their schedule. Okay? I don't care. They, they play six teams that are minor league teams the rest of the way, and they got a series with Milwaukee. They got a series with Atlanta. Other than that, they play all dredge of the earth. Now, maybe they're not going to win. Seven well, the, out of the 10 Mets are in there every,
0: too, but go ahead.
2: The, the, I consider the Mets sort of almost in that category, but you're right. They can help if they don't get to that Atlanta series within striking distance of Atlanta, where the games mean something. Then they should be embarrassed because there's no way that if they got what they got 26, 27 games, mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly it is. So, to, to the before those last six, if they don't go like 14 and seven, something's wrong. Now, I don't know what Atlanta's going to do because their schedule is going to get easier, also. But my God, this is and yeah, so they finally start, they finally start beating the crummy teams, which is what they're supposed to do. And God bless them. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to make the play. If they make the playoffs, it's great. But, Kevin, one thing you've said all along, you can't let a playoff appearance uh, uh, make your vision of the future, murky by saying, oh, we made the playoffs. You know, you have to go into the offseason with the same realizations. And now all these things, we said this about we were a month ago. What's he going to be in September? Well, Mm -hmm. now we're finding out. Uh, You know, and your favorite pitcher hasn't pitched well in September in like three years. So, you know, these are all things they have to deal with. But when you're playing, ironically, AAA he's teams, pitched
0: a lot better lately. But all right, yeah, give, But when yeah.
2: you're playing AAA teams, they're AAA teams. <laughs> yeah, I know they had the bad series against the Diamondbacks. I get it. That was whatever it was. But the Phillies are going to win games in, in these next two to three weeks.
1: But, I, you know, a, a lot of uh, there's a lot of like uh, a lot of conversation on WIP is about. You know, I, some people feel they, oh, I don't want the Phillies to make the playoffs because it justifies what they, you know, even that we need change, they're not going to change. It just says keep moving forward with what you have. And I, here's why where I disagree and a positive sign moving forward, what Dave Dombrowski did. Dave Dombrowski, who I, you know, if you look at his history, he only joins organizations to put him over the top. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the fact that he used these couple months, looked at, the farm system, how it's being run, how players are being drafted, said this, this they've been doing it so wrong all these years. Assistant GMs, you guys are out of here. Head of player development, you're out of here. I'm bringing in my own people. It means he's going to be here for more than just a year. He wants yeah. to correct some of the issues. So I can't imagine Dave Dombrowski would come here, see a team make a postseason appearance, knowing all the flaws that it has, and say, yeah, let's just run it back again. So, I mean, yeah, what right. what Dombrowski has done makes me feel better about the future.
0: And actually, what's strange is the fact that look, if they win the division, they're going to end up with Milwaukee in the first round
2: or wild card, Kevin. Well, no, no, you no, no. no. I'm, I'm, going to,
0: I'm going to yeah, I'm going to get oh, to that scenario right. in a second. They end up with Milwaukee in the first round. They probably you know they went four zero against Milwaukee early in the year. They would probably have had to win two or three this coming week against them. So they would have had some momentum against Milwaukee in the town would get fired up about that. And if they end up making the wild card, they're likely to play Gabe Kapler and the San Francisco Giants, which will send this town into a lather. Agreed, John? That's oh, 12 radio it would, heaven.
1: It would be ap- You're right. It would be such gold. I would enjoy every moment of it and the build up to it.
2: Yeah, just don't lose that game.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> you I know mean, what? That, if they that, won I, that I game. See, I can see Angelo the next morning if the Phillies play the Giants and the Giants win the game. And Gabe makes some great move during the game, or <laughs> whatever he does. I mean, that's must listen radio. I mean, it, would, yeah.
0: it But if the Phillies somehow beat the Giants in a one game playoff, I don't think people will even notice them getting swept by the Dodgers. I no, think at that they point, they wouldn't. They no. wouldn't. They would just no, be happy I, to make the playoffs, and then they beat Gabe Kapler. That's like the. That's like you could have a parade at that point for Phillies fans.
1: Yeah, it's like, I, you know, who knows what lies ahead in this final 30 days of the season for the Phillies. But, I mean, they're finally, well, right now they're doing what they should have been doing. They're beating these bottom feeder teams. Bryce Harper is playing like an MVP. So, I mean, I, I, I just take it for what it is. We're in September. It's now September. This is the first time in almost 10 years we could have this conversation and, and say Phillies in playoffs and it be a legit conversation, not a pipe dream.
0: And by the way, we had
2: it last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it was it was an 18 playoff at that
2: point. I mean, Kevin, I get all that, but we still we we were. You're right, but it was still a 60 game playoff last year. We wouldn't have counted it. I think it would have. I mean, did the Dodgers count their World Series that they hadn't won in 30 some years? I think they do. Wow. So I'm just saying, the Phillies went into the last week of the season, needing to win one game, as it turned out, or two games. I'm forgetting two, and they couldn't do it. So, you know, and, and now we say, well, this is the first time in Texas. No. They, and, and two years ago, weren't they, like, in first place in June or July? I know they didn't get to September. I get that. But this team, this team, it would really be a shot in the arm to make a postseason game, even if we don't think they can go anywhere in the postseason or if we think, well, they'll make it. Ne- you know, the Braves could be good again next year.
0: You oh, know, and, and, the and that's the thing. Back. They're going to have
2: a a they're gonna have Cunha back. You know, if Albie's well yeah, but you don't know what he's going to be after no. his knee turns a tapioca. I mean,
0: but but you know but the point is that the the Braves have a superior farm system. You know, I can't see Steve Cohen, you know, just sitting back and letting the Mets turn the rubble again. Um, yeah. Nah. I, I mean, there's a, this is the this is the moment they have to hit. John, before I let you go, you mentioned Harper. I mean, this is in a strange way one of the most under Undercovered, underappreciated stories in Philadelphia. What this guy has done, really, since July first, is historic. I mean his yeah. his numbers, and I, people look at the at the RBI number and go, "Well, you know, it's not that great." I mean, this guy missed two, basically parts of like four or five weeks early in the year because of the getting hit in the face and the wrist and all that. And but he's turned it on and has played every day since the middle of June. I mean, this is yeah, pretty I, impressive.
1: No, a lot of fans will just look at a box score and say, "Yeah, look at that number. That's not all that great." That's a lot not of MVP solo material. homers, right? Right. They're not watching the games. They don't know the situation that he's being put in, and he hey, he's put the team on his back. He is dragging them to a yeah. to a potential postseason appearance, and. For such a long stretch, you know, not having Hoskins and McCutcheon batting like 220 and yeah. you know Segura falling back into a slump, I mean, it's very easy for an opposing team to say, all right, Bryce Harper's red hot, pitch around him. If we walk him, no big deal, because we'll get the next couple guys out, no problem. And that's why, you know, you don't see his numbers getting to a, you know, his RBI numbers going to, you know, getting anywhere close to triple digits. But he has been, uh, he, this is the moment. That you, when you acquired Bryce Harper, you were hoping for. I mean, he is willing in this team on his back. He's saying all the right things. He's letting his play do the talking. He's not taking any games off. It's it's been wonderful to see, and and the result is what you're seeing right now in the uh, on the score sheet.
2: Yeah, he's earning his thirty million dollars, whatever he makes. I don't know what the number is. He's earning it, and yeah. that's all you ask of a player. That that you yeah. know here, you're making this much money. Okay. Go earn it, you know. Like, I mean, Joel earned it this year. You know, he earned it. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure Bryce felt pressure at some point. Like, yeah, hey, we're not doing too well. And people go, God bless him. I mean, John, you couldn't have put any. I mean, strap me. You know, get on my back. Here we go. Let's see how far this takes. us. And You know, it might not take him as far as we want him to go, but it's better than the alternative.
1: Yeah, he's been great.
2: John Johnson, ninety-four WIP, filling in
0: for Angelo. One more, more, uh, two more mornings, uh, Thursday and Friday, and then he'll be doing his weekend and overnights and uh, and back at a press box. I'm sure at some point in the near future, when you get some sleep, correct?
1: Yeah, at some point when they start allowing us to talk to the players in person again.
0: That's that's been. I'll tell you what. I've been down there a decent amount for the Phillies this year, and I did some flyers. I, I never realized how much I missed that interaction. I really do. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. So
1: yeah, it's it stinks.
0: John Johnson, ninety four WIP. Thanks for joining us. See, See you guys out All there, right. John. All right, John, and we'll be back on working the beat right after these messages.
2: Welcome back.
1: To the show that never ends We're so glad you could attend Come inside, come inside Our in thanks life. to Thank John you. Johnson
0: for joining us here on Working the Beat. John, again, still filling in for Angelo as the summer draw so close. Yes, it is Labor Day weekend um, as we uh, rejoin you here. Uh, uh, you know, Mike, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, I know we're all looking forward to next next wednesday night uh at chaps uh once again keep up to date with our social media uh at, at work of the beat at kevin cooney and at mike kern dn uh for more information on uh in case something happens but we apologize that we had to postpone but the weather i think mike you would agree was just too iffy for mother mate
2: mother nature's unbeaten in life yep rainouts happen um, um yeah and so do people getting caught in floods and all that kind of crap and tornadoes. So just be as careful as you can be out there. Yep, exactly. Um, first, we get college football.
0: Now, we're not going to do our full college football pick segment. Uh, you can. Well, I, I'll give a couple. Mike has not looked over the lines. Uh, I got
2: perused them,
0: but. You have perused them? Okay.
2: Peruse them. day. They, there's a huge game. They're actually a couple pretty. There's big a couple
0: games big ones, ones and I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you what I think on them, and I'm, you can comment on them as well. Uh, let me look at the general overlay of it. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I think you said you, there's what a, a core group of six or seven teams you think can make the four team playoff right now.
2: Well, it's the same. It, yeah, I would throw Georgia in there. Mm-hmm. I would throw – I mean, there's some that everything would have to go right, like a Wisconsin, for instance. I mean, everything would have to go right, but I, I don't consider them one of those teams. Cincinnati, you know, if everything goes right, they can beat Notre Dame. Yeah, at uh, South Bend I this don't year. see a team out of the Pac-12. And by the way, there's an interesting game this week. Uh, LSU is going to UCLA, giving three. Yes, and I've already seen a couple people who think that that Chip's team isn't bad and might be able to pull, win that game outright. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how good LSU is going to be this year because there's so many transfers floating around the world that I have a hard time, you know, computing all that. But yeah, I mean, how much deeper are you going to go? Uh, I oh, mean, who right. else? Texas, I
0: mean, A&M. I mean, if Notre Dame runs the table, Notre Dame will probably be in the conversation. But they're not uh, running the table. But they're not probably going to run the table. Uh, that was no, of, no
2: they're not going to run the table to get into they the, don't playoffs? the playoffs. Two years in a row. Okay, thank
0: God. I, I, I don't think that's a given. I don't think their schedule is super tough as it was. I mean, they have a couple. They have a couple standout they're gonna,
2: games. They're going to finish nine and three. That's what they're going to finish. Okay, uh, but yeah, they're going to be a good team. Sure. They don't play Clemson. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they get Carolina at home.
0: They get uh USC at home. They get Cincinnati now. Okay. They get they the get Miami's both okay. they get both Virginia and Virginia Tech in Virginia. They get Wisconsin obviously at Soldier Field. They get Florida State on Sunday night to begin it. Um yeah. I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility You think they could go and defeat it, but it's probably No, unlikely. you're
2: talking like a Notre Dame thing, No. Kevin. I'm just you, Kevin, there's years where I look at Notre Dame. Last year, I told my Notre Dame guy last year I said they're going to to get into the playoffs because I said they're going to beat Clemson when they play at home, and they'll lose and the Notre Clemson. Yeah.
0: yeah, and they'll lose the Clemson in uh, right.
2: Yeah, but it was a weird season because of the COVID and all that. I look, I just don't. They're replacing a three year starting quarterback, um, and Notre Dame just usually doesn't have the chops to go twelve and zero. I mean, they made the playoffs two in the last three years. Which for, and they've gotten killed in the playoffs both times, but that's pretty much what it is. Um, I, I just think it's a very, very, very narrow field, and we see it every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can almost sit there and, and, and the, there's always a surprise team that comes somewhere. You know, that maybe you didn't think they could, like Iowa State supposedly is pretty good this year. So you know, maybe Iowa State can can knock off Oklahoma, but more than likely they're like a 10 and two team that ain't getting you in the playoffs. Because Alabama can lose once and get in. Uh, Clemson can maybe lose once and get in. Depends who they would lose to. You know, if they lose to Georgia this week, uh, they're a three-point underdog in Atlanta. Right. I don't know if then running through the ACC would be enough. Again, it would depend what happens around the rest of the country. Ohio State, obviously, is the class of the Big Ten. Doesn't mean they're going to win the Big Ten. It just means they're the class of the Big Ten. And I just think college football has gotten a little stale from that regard, in that it's always the same teams. You know, a few years ago, Matt Rule almost got Baylor in, and that was pretty cool. And but I mean, the Pac-12 has almost been like a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Twelve is well, the Big Twelve has Oklahoma, so they're not a non-factor. The ACC would be a non-factor if it wasn't for Clemson. Let me because the rest of their league stinks now. North Carolina is good now. Um, but you know, basically the rest of their league because Florida, Florida, Miami, Florida mm-hmm. State, Miami have not been good. Florida, I mean, Miami's a little better. Supposedly.
0: And, and Virginia Tech's taking a step back, and and obviously, yeah. uh, well,
2: that guy's going to get fired. I, I was think. I was just going to mention that, um, Yeah, he's but, probably going. I want to. I, I will I wanna, tell you this: Alabama will roast Miami this week. Yeah, it's, I don't know what the line is, and look, maybe they won't cover because the line might be seventeen or eighteen, whatever. They it's play, 19 and a I half. They played four ACC teams in their opening games, like in the last five years. And the average margin of victory is like 26. Mm-hmm. And some of those were good ACC teams. They weren't, you know, just like a bottom rung. I mean, because Saban does go out and play somebody. Usually in the first game, he'll play somebody pretty good. And I give Clemson a lot of credit, you know, because they're going out and they used to play George all the time mm-hmm. back in the day. But, you know, you, you're talking two teams that have national title aspirations, teeing off on September or whatever it is. That, that's pretty gutsy, I think. I mean, we saw LSU do it a couple of years ago. Um, we've seen some teams do it. Um, they, you know, I just – but then they'll play a couple of patsies after that. You know, they'll get – but, but hey, look, it, it, it's – college football, I think, is, is the best sport mm-hmm. because they are playing Clemson and Georgia this week, and it does mean something. But when you get to what me and you could sit here right now and pick the four teams in the playoffs, and both of us would probably get three.
0: Uh, let me let me ask you yes. on the two locals. Let me obviously, Rod is entering his third year on North Broad, and
2: last year don't count.
0: I, I was just going to say, last year that was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a uh, disaster because bad. of the COVID bad, stuff. Yeah. yeah, bad. Um, but he went eight and five his first year. Uh, where do you think the Temple program is in the American at this point, where Cincinnati is clearly an upper echelon team? are
2: uh, picked to finish 10th. Right. And I think an 11 team league. I think I'm, I've lost track, whether it's 11 or 12. So obviously nobody expects him to do much. They have a quarterback transfer who started George's first game last year. Yeah. And then he lost the job. So uh, again, I. I their quarterback transferred to Michigan State, I think. Yeah. Uh, their quarterback. I, look, I, I. This is just my opinion. I don't think. I don't think this coach is the guy who's going to take them to Matt Rule territory. Okay, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I've heard some things from people, but again, he took over a Northern Illinois program that was like fifteen and 0 Went to the Orange Bowl, I believe, to play, and they played so much. And, like, two years later, they were 7-6, and or whatever they were. That's just my opinion. And I think the worst thing Temple can be is irrelevant. Because even if Temple's good, not enough people pay attention. So, they're going to Rutgers this week, and they're 15-point underdog, I think, the last time I looked. I don't know what that means. I know Rutgers is better with Shiano. I just wonder. You can't, if you're Temple, you can't go 6-6. and Mm -hmm. But... I think this year six and six would be a good year. I think if they did that, that would be a start, you know, back in the right direction. If they go like, and I don't know their whole schedule. I don't know in front of me, but if they win like three or four games, I know coming off last year, that that's still a step up. But I just don't know, Kevin. Because then what, what do you do? Like going in the next year, you know? It's I, I think Temple's just in a tough spot because they had Matt Rule. It was great. Matt leaves. Jeff comes in. He, he was kind of continuing with Matt, but then he goes to Georgia Tech. Right. Then Manny Diaz takes over for two seconds. And I think Temple was in a bad spot. They had to hire somebody that they, that they thought wouldn't leave. Well, that's the wrong attitude. But they had gotten burned. So I understand. The, the best thing that can ever happen to Temple is if their coach is getting hired by a Power Five conference school after three years. Because yeah. that means they're winning. Yeah. You know?
0: So I don't know. Um, meanwhile, at Happy Valley, they start with a tough one right out of the gate. They get they go to Camp Randall to play Wisconsin uh, Man, on boy, Saturday if they, if they,
2: afternoon. Is that game at Camp Randall? That that's, is at Camp Randall. If they could pull an upset there, yep. And I don't know what the, the line's not really that bad. Is it like five?
0: Uh, let me look it up. I
2: think it's five. That's what I saw. Five and a half. Uh, okay, if they could pull an upset, that would be huge for them. Because that would then set them up for like a ten win season. Yeah. Um. And I don't know where to, when they get Ohio State. Or well, I, I'm actually that.
0: looking at their schedule, and and honestly, their early schedule, They're early schedule. They get Wisconsin on Saturday, and then they get Auburn in two weeks at Happy Valley. Uh, now yeah, Auburn's and I'm not, not
2: sure. Auburn's Auburn not has a new coach,
0: Brian Harden.
2: Yeah, and I'm so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in the dark about Auburn, but I got to believe them playing at home.
0: Yeah, both
2: Auburn. They're going to have a lot of people in those stands. That's
0: their whiteout game, I believe. It's it's okay. a it's a Saturday night. Uh, ABC so Ohio game.
2: State's on the road then.
0: Ohio State is at Ohio State. Yes,
2: right. They they, they very rarely win.
0: October thirtieth, so it's <laughs> yes. uh, Halloween weekend.
2: And so I mean, look, it'll come. Penn State season will probably come down to how they play against Wisconsin, Michigan, and Michigan State. Because that's usually, you know, not only how good Michigan State is this year; they weren't very good. They're not very good. But again, good. last year I throw everything out because. And, and you get Michigan, I mean, Penn, and you
0: get Michigan at home this year. Yeah, so
2: Penn State for half the year last year they stunk, and then they kind of, you know, it was a COVID year. Everything happened last year. But if Penn State, I think Penn State looks to me like around a nine-win team, mm-hmm. which means you know, hey, if you get lucky or say so you, you could win ten, maybe God forbid eleven. I mean, maybe, yeah, but. The loser of this game probably really doesn't have a legitimate playoff chance. And I mean you can only get there by beating Ohio State later. Right. But you know But, but which, the, I,
0: the, the, the 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 trip game for them and the one that I think people overlook constantly is Penn State has to go to Iowa. And when you have to go to I don't Kinn- know
2: more, Yeah, I don't know much about Iowa. But,
0: but I mean, Iowa kicked the crap out of them last year. Iowa yeah, But again, but Iowa Kinnick also is very tough. So, yeah, I
2: know, you know, but yeah, I mean, look, Ohio State is the class of that league, right? And
0: win, and Wisconsin, and they'll win the division and they'll win the Big Ten, but um, well,
2: they could get upset. I mean, look, they, they I don't think there are a few, te- even Alabama can lose a game. I, you know, it's just that Alabama usually doesn't lose two games unless one, but, but teams do get upset. Teams don't go unbeaten very often. No. Clemson does because Clemson plays in a league that it can dominate. So I understand that. But even last year Clemson lost the game and made the play. I mean, the three the four teams in the playoffs, uh who 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 was the um I'm trying to think who the fourteen it was Alabama.
0: Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre or, Dame.
2: Al- Alabama was well, they didn't all play fourteen. They only played like nine games last year. But Alabama in most years where they play fourteen. Right. Most of those teams have a loss They get in.
0: Right. Al- go, Alabama. Uh, Alabama was clean.
2: Yeah. Right. Notre Dame was had the one loss to Clemson. Clemson had the yeah. One loss in Ohio State. Ohio State was clean, but they only played like six games. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you know. before I before I break down a little bit of this week, I'm going to give you a few names. Tell tell me how hot their seats are coaching wise. Jim Harbaugh.
2: I think but the fact that they gave him an extension I really think like unless the roof falls in I don't even think he necessarily has to beat Ohio State. I think what he needs to do is just like have a good season. You know, win 8 games. Something like that. Maybe beat Michigan State. It don't look um don't look like the world's falling apart. This is not the year that they're going to go 11 and 1. In all likelihood, right. But it's got it can't be a year where you go six and six.
0: And I don't think you can. Get it.
2: The people are going to start getting, you know.
0: Uh,
2: you but mentioned they did just give him. Like, did they give him like a three-year extension? Kevin?
0: Yeah, but he also dropped his salary from eight million to four million, and there's a buyout that goes. Okay. It will cost four million to buy him out after the first year, but the figure drops by a million each year. So I don't think he'll get okay. bought out this year, but it. It, 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 you know, he, he he's not in a comfortable.
2: Well, look, spot. if things get ugly and they lose to Penn State, they lose to Ohio State, and I don't know who else they have. On some some donor yeah, will lose, pay that. Yeah, if they lose enough of those games that matter to Michigan people, mm-hmm. then yes, then he, he could be in trouble. But I think he'll be back in 2023 or 22. I'm sorry.
0: Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech you've mentioned um yeah. he, he 19, was the
2: hot guy man five years ago 19
0: and he 18 was, 1918 over the last four years
2: and you're replacing beamer and 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 he would, like I said he was the hot guy he was the American conference guy that got the job I don't know I I mean it, it, you look at a school like Virginia Tech will they ever be what Frank Beamer made them no they're, it's all
0: it's always like it's like you used to say about Temple under Cheney uh, in, in college basketball. I mean, well,
2: Fran, did a, Fran did a good job.
0: Yeah, but it's a unique switch, circumstance. Right. But Beamer was um, a unique circumstance to himself and, yeah. and, and I mean, getting Jim, Blacksburg a, a attraction.
2: Jimbo Fisher did a good job in Florida State replacing Bobby.
0: Yeah, but Florida State's Florida State. This is Blacksburg, Virginia. I mean, it's not Florida a.
2: Florida State before Bobby Bowden is a dumpster. I'm just telling you, I, Florida State, have you ever been to Tallahassee? Yeah,
0: I've been to Tallahassee, yeah. And, and, it's and not, I
2: understand it. Virginia Tech is in backwards, I, I get it. It's not um, easy
0: to get to, it's, yeah.
2: yeah. If uh, you were put, if, if, look, I don't know what the schedule is, how good they're supposed to be, but if I was putting my thumbs up or down, I think he'll be gone uh, after this year. All
0: right, uh, this will make Mike McGarry happy. Clay Helton, USC. Hmm.
2: And see, I don't know how. I mean, I know they're supposed to be decent, but I don't. Uh, He's, by
0: the way, 45 I, and 23 at USC, yeah. which is not awesome. What is, what is
2: he? 45, 45 and
0: 23.
2: Yeah, but they still think, you know, they they haven't been USC since, you know, what's the name left? Is yeah, have,
0: his, since, since P. Carroll. It. They haven't made the Rose Bowl that was since 16 years
2: ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was 15 years ago. So, boy, that's a tough one, Kevin. I'd give that like a 50 50. You know, can he go to Notre Dame and win? That would be a big feather in his cap. Can he maybe win the South? I don't think the South is that good in the Pac-12. So, if he can, you know, it might come down to U- USC, uh, UCLA. I think, would, I think he would have to game. win the
0: Big Ten, or the Pac-12, rather. I think he would have to beat Oregon or something, win the South and then no, beat I think Oregon. If
2: he got to the title game, you know, and they went, like, if they go, like, they win eight or nine games and get to the title game, I mean, what, you're going to fire a guy after that?
0: right. Uh, three, three quick names: Scott Frost, Nebraska. Oh,
2: Herm, Herm Edwards might be gone. <laughs> I was just gonna say,
0: Scott, Scott, that was one. Scott Frost, Nebraska.
2: I don't see how he survives.
0: Twelve and twenty-one now. After losing this past weekend, and uh, he's gonna
2: lose. He's he's gonna lose a lot. I mean, look, I don't know how good the Big Twelve is this year, but they still have Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, they have Iowa State. That's three games. I know he's not gonna be favored in. And quite frankly, after last week, I don't know how many other games he should be favored in. In the last? Yeah. Look at this, way, Kevin. Think about this. Now, we, we know because of our age when Nebraska was Nebraska. Oh, yeah. In this day and age, and they're not in the Big 12. Uh, what am I saying, Nebraska? They're in the Big 10. Why am I giving you Big 12 teams? I'm sorry. Um, They're in the – Christ, they're in the West. But in this day and age – They want to be, be back in the Big win, 12. Can, can Nebraska <laughs> go the New Jersey and get Irving Fryer? No. No, no. So, who are they recruiting? There's like, no, there's no natural I, base.
0: They're running yeah. into the problem Notre Dame had for a lot of years. The Notre Dame has found a little bit of a base in the south and a little bit in the west, but it, it, Notre Dame's base was mainly, you know, they they played from that rust, rust belt, and it's not there. And, yeah, and but Nebraska, Notre Dame is still Notre Dame. right? And Nebraska played in the Midwest, except there's not a lot there anymore.
2: Well, you know? the, the thing is, Osborne used to get the walk-ons. Yeah, he's got all those walk-ons. Used to build lines offensive old, lines
0: factories,
2: but they don't. Do but everybody that anymore. has lines like that now, right? The whole world has offensive lines and weight rooms like they have, and 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 then the other thing was they played that football, that brand of football, like when Miami used to play them in a ball games, and the Miami. Kids would say, <laughs> and they like were. It's like high school football, and they were the premier attraction in the Big Eight at that point.
0: Them and Oklahoma were one and one a. Well,
2: in Oklahoma the, in the nineties when they were winning those titles, fight Oklahoma wasn't that good. Well, but what I'm saying is, when you looked at that at the Big Eight,
0: and then later the Big Twelve, uh, although Nebraska was gone by that, they were the premier attraction in that league. When you moved them to the Big Ten. It's oh, they were always yeah. going to be behind Ohio State, Michigan, right. and and you know
2: for a while Wisconsin. It yeah. just didn't, did, it wasn't I mean, a good they, fit. We forget that, that all of Osborne's three titles came in a four year span in the mid nineties. Yeah, and but Oklahoma wasn't good then. Oklahoma was going through a
0: well, it was the post-Switzer. I'm not
2: even sure Texas. That was between
0: that, Sw- you know? Switzer and Stoops at that point. Switzer was gone by then. Right, that's what I'm saying. It was between after oh, yeah, Switzer yeah, 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 and yeah, before you're right. Stoops. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. The last name Ed Ogeron, LSU. Uh, look, and, and a lot I of it's off it's the field stuff as well. We should point out it's it's yeah, there's a lot now, of there's up. a Title Nine investigation going on, uh, and
2: I I just don't see how two years after a national title, you get whacked, but.
0: Well, the off-field stuff I think would be the one that
2: whacks them. And oh, that's a, that's a whole different. Right. You know, that's what's going to whack. That's probably what's going to get Herm Edwards. You know. So uh, plus uh, the fact that they're not winning, but and, I don't know. All right. So this week, hey, this this much you know, Kevin. I think there's a there's roughly 130 Division One schools. There might be even a few more now. Twenty percent of those coaches will be gone. So that's like twenty five guys in all likelihood will be looking for work. Yeah. So Um They uh
0: let me give a couple um let me give a couple other uh things here with college football as we look ahead this weekend. This weekend's biggest game. So Ohio State's playing Minnesota Thursday night. Uh yep. that, that's a nice touchdown man. favorite. There are two touchdown favorites. Um, North Carolina, Virginia tech on Friday night is kind of interesting at Blacksburg. That's North Carolina, a five and a half point favorite. Um, I'm, and, but the weekend Wisconsin five and a half point favorite over Penn state. I'll be honest. I think Penn state wins the game outright. I know our buddy Chris was looking for an outright winner, uh, underdog that he mentioned. Uh, I like, I like Wisconsin in that game or I'm sorry. I like a Penn state in that game. To be honest, uh, not sure I can
2: go there, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, Kevin, when you're a five point underdog, it, it would—it su- can't be a surprise no. if a five point underdog wins a game, because if it's a five point underdog on the road, are you surprised the line's that you, low? I don't. I don't know because I don't know what Wisconsin's got. Okay, I I, I I can't sit here and tell you. I know going to Camp Randall is usually a tough. A tough trip. Uh, now, their quarterback is now playing for um, – who's Cone playing for? He's playing for somebody. Yeah. He's, he, yeah he, he transferred Oh, somewhere. Cone's playing for Ner- uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, right. So, I don't know what Wisconsin – I mean, to me, they're basically telling you that Penn State's really only about a two- or three-point off. So, that's more or less a pick 'em game.
0: All right. Uh,
2: Georgia Clemson's a pick'em game. they you know, Georgia's giving three, but it's a pick'em game.
0: Uh Alabama, 19 and a half point favorite over Miami. You've said you like Bama to win and cover. I, I would
2: not I'll, I'll put it this way. Bama is has won sixty-four straight games when they are a fourteen or more favorite. Okay. Now, they haven't covered all sixty-four of those games. I'm just telling you, Bama ain't losing that game. Okay. And I I would be surprised. If it's under fourteen points, but again, you could lose by seventeen, and you could cover with Miami. So this is why I hate preseason
0: rankings: number seven Indiana and number eighteen number seventeen Indiana and number eighteen Iowa this weekend in at Kinnick. I was a three-point favorite. That's actually a really good game as well. At least yeah, right out of the- I,
2: I look. I think Indiana's pretty good. Now I don't know if you go to you know obviously it's hard to win at Iowa, but I mean, I would stay away from that game, but I think, I like Indiana. They had a pretty good season last year. Yeah. And they could be one of those teams that, yeah, they're, look, they're not going to go 11 and one, but they could be one of those teams that goes like nine and three and beats a couple good teams.
0: Uh, Texas and Louisiana, Louisiana's 23rd, the raging Cajuns. Louisiana is uh, good. And Texas is an eight point favorite at Austin.
2: 18, did you say? Eight. Yeah, that's that's. Um, – wasn't Louisiana the team I was reading about? No, it was, it was some team from the um, – oh, God, what was it? wasn't Coastal um, Carolina, was I'm it? No, nah, some team that actually beat two – oh, God, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not even going to go there. Maybe it was Liberty. Maybe it was Liberty or Coastal Carolina that beat two – power five teams last year and almost beat a third and they're playing somebody. I don't think it was Louisiana though. I, I Maybe it was, maybe Louisiana was the team they were talking about, but uh, look again, I don't know enough about Texas right. to sit here and tell you how good Texas is. I just know Louisiana is not bad. And you know, and I know there will be two or three upsets this week because that's why there's a fraud five. Yeah. So, Somebody's going to get upset. Who the upset's going to be? I have no idea. But there, they, like I said, some people are out there picking UCLA over LSU. And the marquee, which I think, is kind of a bold prediction. Yeah. But
0: and the marquee game of the weekend is Clemson and Georgia. Uh sure. In I believe that's. And wh- and let me ask you a that Charlotte.
2: That when game? was the last time in a non-playoff situation, Clemson has been an underdog?
0: Honestly, it may have been that time. It might been the last time they played Georgia. They played Georgia when the one that? year to open the season. I want to say like four or five years ago.
2: Right. All I'm saying is, and sometimes with teams like Clemson, uh, you know, about, well, like,
0: Mark Rick was the coach, so that shows you how long ago it was for. Okay.
2: Georgia. Well, yeah, it's been okay. But all I'm saying, sometimes the Dabo Sweeney is probably going to be sitting there all week, telling his kids, oh, yeah. you know, hey, look, you're the underdog. They don't think you're going to their quarterback's by the way good. they
0: are favored they're, they're they're 3 point favorite.
2: clemson's the 3 point favorite
0: clemson is the 3 point favorite
2: oh, okay my bad i'm sorry okay That's, that sounds clemson's more clemson's right. okay. the
0: 3 point favorite but yeah look a agumbolale a, a or not agumbolale the um, oh i'm trying to remember his name he played against Notre Dame last year and played a really good game in that yes he did at, at south bend
2: um yes, he did and but, their defense i think their defense somebody said their defensive front is really good They've got one guy who's like you know going to be a real high draft pick, um, and I like I said I don't know all these guys like I used to know them, but uh, that that hey look that should be a great game, it, it's got implications for a lot of things. Uh, and we should point you know, out, and we should you and I always talk about this
0: week one of the college football season is usually really good because you have a lot of these type of matchups that have been scheduled for television, uh, and then of course week two and beyond gets a little. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word uh, uh, awful, crappy. You know, like there, there's a couple weeks of the. Uh,
2: yeah, but the, but the fact that the SEC plays like nine league games now, yeah, it, it can only be crappy for so long because they'll be playing SEC games in two weeks.
0: Yeah. By the By so, the way, we should point out that there's one matchup scheduled next week between uh, top 25 opponents as of now, and that's uh, Oregon. It goes to Ohio State next weekend. So.
2: Uh, that's an interesting game because uh, again, I don't see Oregon going to Ohio state winning, but it, it, like I said, if it happened, you wouldn't sit there and go, Oh my God, you know? It, so yeah, I, I like it. I like my. To me, the thing that always made college football great and you don't see as much of it anymore because of the expanded league was those intersectional games. Yeah. And when you had when Penn state, Florida state, Miami, um, Notre Dame, they were all independents. Yeah. You got those games almost every, and Pitt. You got, you know, Penn State played Notre Dame a lot back in the '90s, and back in the late, and, and, and you know, Florida State would play everybody because they had to. They had no league. Uh, that's how Miami got. You know, Miami had to go out and play people before they joined the Big East. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that anymore because the, the focus is so much on winning your league. But now with the playoff, the focus is I got to give the committee enough reason. That if I don't go on beat, depict me. Now that's going to change if they go to twelve playoff teams. Yeah, there won't be as much emphasis on because all the champions in their leagues will get in. Right? That's the, the way all they the, said. All
0: the champions of their leagues, and there'll be like I think three or four wild cards. Right. And so if you're,
2: and we should point out a a, a group of five uh, team would be yeah, guaranteed a spot. Right. But it, so if you're Clemson, you, all you're worried about is winning the AC, AAC ACC. Yeah, and if you're, you know, and, and again, now you you, you want to get seated as high as possible, so you get a buy or something, but um, you get maybe a home game or whatever. However, they're going to do it, but it, it will take a little bit. Of, let's face it, this Clemson Georgia game is like a playoff game. It is
0: because the loser really? the loser is behind the eight ball right away.
2: Yeah, and and in a little bit of respect, next week's Oregon Ohio State, this week's UCLA LSU game. Not that I think those teams are that good. Well, Ohio State is, but well, you know, if but, you but take a loss this
0: early, I was just going to say, let's say you're Georgia, okay, and let's say you lose the Clemson this weekend, then you basically have to win the win the SEC, which means having to probably go through Bama to get in the
2: playoff. Yeah, but you might have to go through Bama anyway, right? I mean, you you have to you have to assume that Bama's is probably going to win the West. Although, but look, but, but if you beat, but if
0: you beat Clemson this week, you make a pretty strong case that even if let's say you
2: lose the Bama in the SEC title game, you should be in the tournament. Yeah, but here's the problem: we can sit here and say that Georgia's going to have four or five more games this year that they can lose. I mean, they're going to play Florida. Florida is good. They're going to play uh, maybe all. I don't know what they're. I haven't looked at their schedule um, yet, but they're going to have games besides Alabama that they can lose. I mean. That's just the way it is. So what what it does is it gives you some kind of margin for error. If you you know, and it, it's just like if Bama, you could see a scenario where two SEC teams can get into the playoffs if something like that happens. If you get an unbeaten team in the SEC title game against a once-beaten team, and the once-beaten team beats them, you can sit there and go, well, they should both be in the playoffs.
0: By the way, Georgia ha- Georgia's main games uh, at Auburn. Uh Florida obviously in Jacksonville uh for the cocktail party. At Tennessee, which is not as big a deal as it used to be. And then the SET title game. So they'll have a they'll have a
2: They don't get L S U?
0: They don't have L S U.
2: Okay. UAB they
0: get South, L- they'll get South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri. At home they do
2: have easy. well they have an easy schedule then because yeah and did you see South Carolina is by the way they coveted
0: they coveted Charleston Southern on November 20th by the way
2: did you see who South Carolina is starting as a quarterback who a grad assistant oh I did see who transferred <laughs> from
0: one of the good who schools, still like had
2: eligibility State. yep like a Boise State or something yep now, I don't know much because about they're so banged up and it might just be for one week so I I don't look but how can a major uh, college football program well, in this day and age be playing a grad, and, and he played last year, so I mean, it's not like and he played well for, I think Boise State or one t, some team like that. My God, come on, man, really? If that happened at Happy Valley, they would have Franklin's. Uh, they, they'd be like, yeah, he'd be getting killed. Yeah. Um but. I always, I always ask. I I
0: I've, you know, look. I love college football, and you've done a number of these college football locations over the years. If you were to recommend to a college football fan one place to go, one must see place that you—I
2: well, haven't been to a mall, Kevin. So. I know,
0: but one that you've been to.
2: Well, I mean, obviously Notre Dame. I, I, I mean, that's you know that, that's almost like going to St. Andrews. You, you know, but I right. mean, I've never been to Bama. I've never been to LSU. I've I've been at the stadium, but not when there was a game going on. People tell me LSU at night is sick. I, I, that's the word I've heard from anybody who's been there. Mm-hmm. They just say it's sick. Uh, I've never been to Florida for a game. Uh, I've heard from people yeah, who've been there. I, L- I would go with Notre Dame. I, I because I don't see how you can't go with Notre Dame. Regardless of how you feel about it, I'll tell you, Michigan was pretty cool. Yeah, I've never, the I've never shoe is pretty Michigan. cool. What's
0: that? The horseshoe is pretty cool. Columbus. But I've never been
2: there. I I was at a Michigan at Michigan Stadium. I thought that was, but but I I still think if if you're giving most people one place, I think the one place has to be South Bend.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because you know obviously Tuscaloosa now because of of. The success under Nick Saban has has moved up a lot of lists, um, you know, and, and I think I think the game day, uh, I think with game day going all around the country, people have had a better feel. For I'll, I'll tell
2: you two pretty cool places that I I've, I've never is Washington and Tennessee. Oh, with the boats the pulling up right the up. Yeah. They, yeah, they take the boats like they they go right up the rivers in those and they kind of dock and. It's kind of like you know, very party atmosphere. uh, If you're, you know, which most people, I think that's what they're looking for. But yeah, Notre Dame. There's something, something about Notre Dame. I'm not a Notre Dame guy, per se.
0: I'm and I asked you that question without knowing that that's where you would go. State College is. Penn State's pretty cool too.
2: State College does nothing for me. Really, I've been. Well, look, I'm not because I'm not rooting for Penn State. Maybe that's that's like the no, reason, but it's but pretty. But it's
0: on a whiteout game and everything. It's pretty. Well, it's pretty yeah, awesome.
2: Well, they but they do whiteouts at other stadiums now too. So I mean, Penn State doesn't have the monopoly on whiteout. But no, oh, that's wonderful. It's
0: but a night game. But a night game at a night game at State College uh, where people have yeah, basically gotten liquored up all day.
2: Yeah, but you could say that it, it, for my money. Anywhere in the Southeastern Conference, you could say that about.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Like I said, I've never been to LSU for a game. But nobody I've ever talked to that has been there for that, and I mean opponents, that said it was the most um, um, intimidating place they ever played in. And these were guys who played in Tuscaloosa. Right. And played in Florida. And played in places like that. It just said it's, you know, the Tiger screams into the microphone. Yeah. You know, so, I,
0: I would, yeah. and, and I would also tell people if you haven't been the one, get to an army navy game. Army navy, well, game
2: that, that, that's yeah. Look, Ar- Ar- there's nothing like army navy, and yeah. I'm not the biggest army navy fan. I love army. Like, I don't sit there and like Joe Giuliano really got gets into it because he he's covered a lot of. But there is, I mean, when, when you are at an army navy game, and I've been to a few. The, the the that thing when they come into the stadium. March on. And the thing afterwards where they yeah. go and sing with the, the alma, alma mater. Maters. I mean, if you don't get – I mean, everybody's crying. Yeah, They're, they're, all, they're all crying. I mean, it, like if you don't get choked up – and these guys are going to go fight for us. And and so I gotta, and I should
0: also say it's better when it's here, obviously, and we're a little biased. But the history is here. When they go to Baltimore and when they go to the Meadowlands, it's not the same.
2: I actually think it was pretty cool last year, not why they had to do it, but that they went to West Point and played it because of COVID, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, once a decade. Right. Go, go to Annapolis and go to West Point. That's just me. Okay. Yeah. I know why they don't. Right. Because there's a lot of money involved, and, and obviously that's a big factor. But I just think every once in a while, like I said, like once a decade, you know, and I know they try to take it, you know, I think Baltimore's got it this year. Right, and taking it to San Diego and they took it to uh, the Meadowlands. Uh, Philadelphia is where it should be. I, I understand why they move it around every every now and again. I got no problems with that. But Philadelphia is, is where it should be because that's where it's been and, for most of its life.
0: And my wife has just come downstairs and said there is a tornado warning for this yeah. area. So I am actually going to cut this short right here. So Okay. Sounds uh, good. Stay safe. Everybody out there, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week. This has been Working the Beat.